Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Tim Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today's show, we're talking about big versus small developers. Does size matter? And yes, we are going to go through the pros and the cons of each. Now, I'll tell you what, we're having a really interesting conversation with an investor who would recommend buying from a small developer, but he couldn't find out much information about them online. And I thought, do you know what? That would be such an interesting podcast. So Andrew and I are going to debate on the show the pros and cons of each. Now, I'm going to argue on behalf of buying from a big developer, and Andrew's going to argue on behalf of the smaller developer. And I'll debate you, but developer is important. And a lot of investors actually forget about how important that developer piece is. But you want to actually find the right property. So you can't just go choosing a developer and go, I like the style of that developer's stuff. And then I'm just going to go and choose anything from their stock list that I can afford because you might not end up with a good investment at all. Yeah, you've got to select the right property first and then make sure the developer's any good because otherwise you might miss out on some pretty good deals. Now, I'm going to start by going through the pros or arguing the pros of going through a big developer. And I think the first thing is it's really easy to figure out if they're any good or not. Because if they've been established, if they've been going out there publicly, they will have likely built a reputation. Now, sometimes that reputation is good and sometimes that reputation (laughs) is not. But at least there is something to look at online. And you see, companies often, if they've built a good reputation, want to maintain that. And so they've got an incentive to build quality. And more than that, you know what? If they've built a lot of properties, you might be able to drive past or go to some show homes, understand, well, what actually is the quality? Not necessarily going to get that with a smaller developer. Well, though so, I know you have something to say about that. Go on. Yeah, yeah. Well, just thinking like, you know, I'm thinking of a couple of big developers, Mike Greer, and then I won't name the one that maybe has less a good reputation who, you know, again, nationwide companies. I was talking to an investor last week and I said, oh, Mike Greer is someone that, you know, we often recommend or would recommend some of their product. And they, oh, yes, yes, we know Mike Greer, you know, his properties sound quite good. And then they specifically brought up this other developer who's been in the media quite a lot recently. And they say, oh, I don't want to buy anything from them. They've got too much bad press. Uh, interesting. And I think the thing with developers who have been around for a bit, but I'm really talking about big developers who have built a profile is that more people have used them in the past, so you can read their reviews. You can look at the Reddit comments. You can look at the stuff articles, anything written about them online. I think the other pro there is that there are more options to choose from. You know, they're probably building multiple projects in different locations. They might have different designs, though that might not always be the case. They might have different types of properties in terms of the number of bedrooms, whether they're building apartments and townhouses and houses, depending on who the particular developer is. I think the last thing I want to say in terms of the pros is they're less likely to go broke, but not always. So theoretically, if you're building lots of properties, you should have better cash flow. You should be able to build properties on time because you've got more houses, you've got more experience. You've probably used your weight and size to be able to lock in building material and labor contracts. So perhaps less likely to have delays, which can help with cash flow. And I suppose if you are bigger, you probably have better access to finance because you've got more cash in the bank. And theoretically, I know there's a counter argument, it's a good counter argument, but you should be in a stronger financial position most of the time. And I'm going to argue against what Ed has just said. Here are the cons of investing with a big developer. Well, sometimes you pay higher prices. So as a developer has more confidence in the market and builds their reputation and they can start to charge more. 
so they can become like the Apple of the development market where they charge you know more for their product because you know and trust their brand. Oh, I'm sure so many developers think they've got that Apple of oh, that Apple brand of the industry. And I'll give you an example. And I'm not saying these are the Apple of, of the, the investor community or the developer community. Fletcher Residential, right? They've got good properties and good locations. Very financially resilient developer. Well, you'd hope that since they're owned by a <laughs> listed company. Yeah. So they've got all the things you'd want to see, but their properties don't generally make good investments. Well, why? Because they're too expensive. And if you want to see that substantiated, you want to see our evidence for making that claim, there's a whole article about it on our website. Just Google Fletcher Residential Review. It's probably one of the first things come up. If it doesn't, just put Opus Partners in there as well. And look, because they know they can sell higher prices to owner-occupiers who have less experience than investors, then they're going to be able to achieve more money and achieve more for when they sell their finished product. And look, this is a major, major point because, look, everything comes down to price, really, because you want to be able to get a good deal if you are buying for an investment purpose. And so if you're paying more for just namesake, well, does it really matter as an investment? Second point is, look, they're more likely to be cocky cutter houses, which is the opposite of what Ed said. But there are some developers out there where you'd look at their finished product and I guarantee you I could name exactly who's built that development. And the risk is, well, they can flood a market and you can create a city where a whole bunch of properties look the same and are the same essentially. And that you're more likely to get from a large scale developer. And look, when you go to sell a property later on, or if you're going to go rent a property, if you've got many other properties which are exactly the same in close proximity, we got a lot of competition. And that doesn't exactly drive prices up because the price is set by whoever else is selling a property that's exactly the same just down the road. To be fair, Andrew, I think some people would argue that most new build properties look the same anyway these days. No, I think that's somewhat true, but not always. Next point is that they're more likely to build larger developments. It might be 40 plus units. Now, that can make it a little bit tougher to rent out your unit when it comes to settlement because, again, you've got lots of competition. And some investors worry about the same point when you come time to sell a property. If you've bought in a development of 300 and you're going to go and sell your property, but again, three other people are selling at the same time, well, now you've got competition of exactly the same product in the same development. Okay, well, if you think small developers are so good, take us through what you believe are the pros of them, and then I'm going to rip into the cons and tell you why you're wrong. Okay. Well, look, I think sometimes you can get lower prices and better deals. And the reason for this is smaller developers, if they're starting out in business, they want to get some runs on the board. They want to show their funders or their lenders or investors that they can actually get some sales done. And so often they might just take a lower margin to get started. Do you actually see that in practice though? Absolutely. I remember when Williams Corporation first started out, some of their pricing was highly, highly competitive in the market because they just wanted to do deals. They wanted to grow to be the biggest in the market. And just to be clear, some developers are smaller because they choose to be. And often this might be experienced developers who are at the tail end of their development career. I mean, some of them don't even have to be that old. Andrew Yeoman is a great example of this. So Atlas Property. You may have never heard of him except for maybe on this podcast. This guy flies below the radar, but he's a very big developer. And he just wants to have low overheads, no big office lease. I think he just works from home. No staff to manage, just keep minimal marketing costs. He just has no great big machine to feed. He just doesn't, he doesn't even have a website, I don't think. Yeah, I think that's a fair point, actually. I, I'm grumpy that, you, that you've made a fair point. But 
In some cases, a smaller developer might be inexperienced. They might just be doing their first or their second development. And, you know, they're small because they're getting started. In that case, you could say, hey, con is being inexperienced. I'll talk about this in a second. But just because some developers are small does not mean that they lack experience. And when I was researching for this episode, Andrew Yeoman's actually a really good example because he doesn't have a website. In fact, I think the only thing that comes up is his LinkedIn profile that doesn't even have a picture. Yeah, so there's um, Andrew Yeoman. I mean, that is a con as well, which I'm going to come to, which is you can't find out much about them online. But I'll yield back to you. You can see that we have been watching the um, TikTok congressional hearings, so I will yield back to you. Another one is often they might have a bit more local knowledge. So often, you know, these smaller developers that are a bit more limited in terms of where they develop. And Fysandia and Wellington are a great example of this. You know, they develop in the Hutt Valley, Lower Hutt, Upper Hutt, and, you know, little parts of Wellington region. They do that all day, every day. They don't venture out into Auckland or Christchurch or anything like that. But they know what's going on everywhere in that area. And so they've got that inner knowledge of that market. And then the, my third point is that smaller developments often have a bit more unique designs. And so they can be quicker to rent out once the property is complete. The design is more likely to get changed up between different developments. So again, it's not this cookie cutter approach. Okay, okay, okay. Fine. You've heard a lot from Andrew. I want to take you through the cons of working with a smaller developer though. First of all, really hard to find out if they're any good or not. So even if we think about Atlas Properties, Andrew Yeoman, I agree that he's experienced, but how do I, as somebody finding a new build property, find that out? Even if I Google the company name, it's not like a whole heap of Google reviews come up. I think there was one stuff article about him one time a couple of years ago. So all good that somebody wants to fly under the radar, but how do you substantiate that they're actually any good or not? You can't find out where their properties necessarily were built. Maybe you could dig if you really go through the company's office, but it's going to be much more difficult compared to if you're working with a developer who markets themselves a lot. You can get a lot of that information more freely on their website. Now, look, I do understand, Andrew, that your team does a lot of research on them for the investors you're dealing with. But if you're an investor out there on your own, how are you meant to find out if a small developer is any good or not? I think the other thing is that you're potentially more susceptible to their build projects running over. I do take your point that a large developer might be working on a large development, and if you're building 80 townhouses at a time, it might be difficult for those to be built on time. But you could also argue the other way. So if you're working with a small developer and it's four properties in the project, four townhouses, well, do they really have their building materials all locked in? Or if there is a building material shortage, is Placemakers and Bunnings going to give those materials to a big name customer that they've got to keep happy rather than a small guy who's building four to 20? Yeah, we definitely saw some pressure when there was those building material shortages of larger developers going in there and saying, we get our jib first. And you can understand that if you have Placemakers or Bunnings, you've got to satisfy your larger customers first because those are the ones that keep coming back. I think the other thing is that you're probably going to have fewer properties available for sale. And a really good example of this is a developer that nobody has ever heard of, Aventus Projects. Now, if you go onto their website, they've got two townhouse developments available. And you can't even buy through that website because it's only available if you go through a property investment company. Now, that's again probably the reason why we typically say go for the property first, then the developer. There's no point saying, oh my God, I just want to buy off Aventus Projects. Well, they've only got two projects available. 
if they're all sold out, there's no chance you can just go and buy off them again. So I think there's less variety there. Now, I take the point that I know you're going to make, which is, well, just buy off a different one. But if you are going out and doing this on your own, then that means having to do even more research. And again, some of the projects from smaller developers, you can't even buy off track, but you've got to go through a property investment company. Yeah. And final rebuttals. Look, I think the finance point before, big developers do actually have issues with finances too. So sometimes a big company gets so big that they take on a lot of risk because... Well, they get big by taking on a lot of yeah, risk. Yeah, and certainly I, I think we've seen a little bit of that happening at the moment. You know, some of these companies that are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and then they get delays in some of their builds and get too much in debt. And then it kind of reminds me of the days of Blue Chip, which was a big company way back when who sold apartments to people. And they did a lot of dodgy things, but one of the major things is they were taking money from projects and using it for other projects and the whole thing imploded and people got left without their money back. And the final thing is often people talk about economies of scale in a bigger firm. And personally, I don't see this a lot when it comes to developments or I don't see it as being a benefit for the end buyer because savings end up being taken as larger margins for the developer or they have inefficiencies because they've got huge number of sales team themselves and they're paying them big incentives. Okay, well, I'll give you a little rebuttal as well in that case, Andy Nichol. Oh. <laughs> Andy Nichols, I should say. The thing about smaller developers, some are inexperienced, right? If you, it's your first or your second project, and I think there is that risk of build delays. And I think one that comes to mind is some guys from Tauranga, I think, who were trying to build some townhouses in Christchurch. It was their second project, and they're going, horrifically over time just because they don't have that experience and while that won't be the case for every small developer it is the case for some of them now ultimately this episode isn't to tell you only buy from a big developer or only buy from a small developer but it's trying to outline some of the benefits both the pros and the cons of each and you know what the size of the developer probably isn't going to make your decision for you because you're likely looking for the best property first and then you see whether the developer stacks up but if you go for a big or a small developer, there might be some things to look out for. And hopefully this episode can help inform that decision. Right, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want help finding a developer and you want to buy a new build property this year, it might be time to book a portfolio planning session with one of our team. Really easy way to do this. Just go to our website, opuspartners.co.nz, click the big orange button and book your session. listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Tim McKnight. I'm Andrew Nicole. And we're going to be back here tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.